Somebody once said, music saved my life. I don't know if that's the case for you, but in some people's lives, music has saved them. And uh, we like to share music because we feel like music can actually change the DNA structure of a human being. I don't know how true that is, but my co-host Phil Anderson just shook his head as if he believes what I said is true. That would be a nod. A shake would be this way. And that okay. would be, I didn't agree, but a nod is this way. You did. You nodded your down. head. Yes, because I do believe un- universal language is what music is. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Part of, uh, there's a couple of like, what was it? The, uh, what's the one, the big space thing that went by Uranus? <laughs> I can't Recently. remember. I can't remember her name. Um, there was two of them. There was like Explorer One and Explorer Two, or something like that. You just let that joke this go right over your head, didn't you? That well, could be explicit. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, wait, how does that joke go? Um, Starship Enterprise. Yes. And toilet paper. What do they have in common? They circle Uranus and wipe out Klingons. Ah, yes, mm. yes. That that joke is for all those people that are a little stuffy and tight. Or 12. Or 12. <laughs> Notice I give you a courtesy laugh on, on you your did. jokes. You did. I, I just can't be fake. I try. <laughs> I try. A couple, three weeks ago. And I shared this joke with Shelly about uh, Al Gore, the yeah. Al Gore rhythms. Yeah. And, and I said, when I said that, Chris says, boo. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that, welcome to the greatest song that you've never heard podcast show where Phil and I, uh, I'm Chris Cochran. He's Phil Anderson. I sit here. He sits there. We bring songs to each other that neither of us know. Uh, well, one of us doesn't know which song it's going to be. Hopefully we've never heard it. The idea behind this show is there are songs that are special to you and you think are one of the greatest songs you've never heard or that nobody else has ever heard, but you yeah. think is one of the greatest songs ever. Yeah. And you're like, how come everybody doesn't know this song? Pretty much. So we bring those songs and we share them with you, the listener, and hope Hopefully, brighten your day, maybe give you a reason to live. Yes. And by the way, these are two different perspectives, but our perspectives, we would like to think are fairly broad. That's we true. We have a nice foundation, a good base. Probably not going to hear any contemporary country or maybe. Well, I threw a rap song out there. You did. You know, so you I mean. Oh, speaking of which, we should just stop and honor a, a legend who passed away this week as of the time of this recording. Yes, I remember. But who is it? Coolio. Coolio. Oh, really? Yes. The uh, Coolio was on that song. Back, um, back, back on the block. He was. He was on Back on the Block. And he also did A Gangster's Paradise was his big hit. Oh. He passed away this week at 59 years old. Oh, man. Yeah. What's up with that? I don't know. The, the weird part is he went to a friend's house and they just found him dead on the bathroom floor. That's uh. even weirder. So I was going to do a, a, the lead singer for Proko Harum mm. passed away in the spring. This yes. Year. And... Uh, I kept looking for songs that I'd like from from them or him. I couldn't find any. Isn't Whiter Shit a Grade? Yeah. Great. Yeah. You don't like that song? Oh, it, that would be like playing a Traveling Wolverine <laughs> song. Well, that hadn't stopped you before. No, but it's stopping me now. Billy Joel actually covered that song in concert in Las oh, Vegas. Oh, that's super cool. Yeah, and because it was within the week that he passed away. And mm. it's like, you know, that was pretty cool. But because in my mind, that level wasn't resonating with me, the song, the music. Yeah. Uh, the music, I should say. So I, I just didn't do it. And, well, but do you, we do you still, have one today that does resonate with you? I do a lot. Good. Yeah. And so it's got, I don't know, man. This song, you, we played a song last week that you said was a, an earworm, which I agree. This one for me is an earworm. Mm. And I just, I mean, uh, when a good song gets stuck in your head, I'm okay with that. Yep. I, I really am. And so I believe that this is, now this is a cover of a standard. Okay. Okay. But 
uh, it's it's I, I just really love it. I, well, then I'm hoping I will love it too. Beautiful. Let's listen now. I hate to see the evening sun go down I hate to see the evening sun go down Cause my baby, she left this town Feeling tomorrow like I feel today Feeling tomorrow Just like I feel today I pack my trunk Make my getaway St. Louis woman With a diamond ring Pulls her man around by her apron strings. She wants for powder and for store bought hair. The man she loves, he wouldn't go nowhere. Wouldn't go nowhere Wouldn't 
ain't go nowhere Would ain't go nowhere He wouldn't go nowhere Philip Anderson ah, another Woo! struck out again I like that song so good yeah it's a good song it's uh it, it, there's a lot to think about <clears throat> with this song I, I didn't if it's a standard I didn't know I'm assuming it's called St. Louis Woman St. Louis Blues oh yep. that's the name St. of the song St. Louis Blues yep. okay yeah um, I've never heard the song so for being from standard. 1914 really W.C. Handy who that guy Is they have the to Jack Handy <laughs> no, these thoughts, deep thoughts by Jack Handy. My favorite is, it's quick. If trees could scream, do you think we'd be so cavalier as to cut them down? We might, if they screamed all the time and for no good reason. And those were deep thoughts by Jack Handy. Which, do you know who produced all those videos? by Chris Cochran. No. Michael Nesmith. Really? Yep. Uh, for those of you not familiar with Michael Nesmith, he is one of the four monkeys. That's true. Uh, a band Sorry, I got us off on a sidetrack. Chris puts way up on a very high pedestal. I do, I do. And uh, it's good that the monkeys don't wear dresses. Well, anyway. So so I like this song a lot. Um, I have some issues with the vocalist. I don't know who this vocalist is. It reminds me of, um, he. if he wasn't better, if he was better, I would think that it was Michael Buble, but I don't think it is. No, it's um, not Michael Buble. And uh, there's a fascinating, by the way, there's a fascinating. Um, Could you try again? Oh, my watch decided to talk to us. Um, there's a fascinating documentary on YouTube about auto tuning. Oh. Um, that I'm, that it, and they talk about how, like, Michael Buble is one of those people who ends up auto tuning, and, and they, they talk about how he may not even know that it's happening. Right. And he's such a prolific, such a great singer. He's very good. That he doesn't need it. But somebody's doing it to his vocals after the fact. And if you look at it through an audio spectrograph, you can right. see the difference between like they, they compare him and like um, Freddie Mercury, who obviously the technology didn't exist back then. Right. So the, the what was interesting about this song was um, this guy was a little too perfect for me vocally. That's what I didn't like about it. Well, and, and I have no idea about any of that, whether right. it was autotune or not. Uh, and I just the style of this song. Yes. I, when they're going to a studio and record and you feel, I get the feeling they're jamming. Yes. Like, okay. Oh, we're going to get into that. Yeah. Right. So, um, do you want to know who it is? Not yet. Okay. Uh, I want to talk about a couple of things too. Yeah. Uh, the, the, uh, powder and store-bought hair. I love that line. I didn't, like I said, I didn't, I didn't know the song as a standard. So, um, but the phrasing on, on the first verse where he says, cause my baby Right. That's what bothered me about the vocalist on this on the song. I like if if you'd have played me this song without the lyrics, I'd have been like, "This is freaking awesome." But it's the dude singing it that like gets in my head because like yeah. we talked a few weeks back about authenticity, right? Uh, and and I feel like like "Cause my baby" isn't a phrase that I would use a bunch. So if mm. I were to use "Cause my baby" in a song, it's going to sound like I'm like throwing it out there. Yeah. But I would love to have heard like, uh, has Ray Charles ever covered this song? Let me. Uh, here's our, a list: Benny Goodman, Louis Armstrong, Cab Calloway, Bing Crosby, oh, Louis Armstrong, Bessie Smith, Count Basie, Glenn Miller, Guy Lombardo, uh, the Boston Pops Orchestra, mm. which I'm guessing they didn't have the vocals in, Arthur Fiedler, and uh, oh, that's who's under the direction of. Anyway, yeah. So uh, there's a who's who of people who have produced 
So let me ask you this. Um, Recently, I was listening to a discussion um, of musicians who were talking about jazz and jazz drumming. Mm. And there's some debate within the uh, like cognoscenti of the jazz community um, as to the role of drums within a jazz song. One school of thought is that the role of the drums is literally to keep time, perfectly keep time and accent the right things in the song. The other rule of uh, school of thought is that the drums should keep time, but they should also be driving and pushing the other musicians to do certain. Like it's almost like he's the in baseball, the catcher is the guy who's actually running what's going on on the field. So at all times, he's the quarterback of that, and that's what in some jazz circles they believe that the drummer should be like the quarterback, and in other circles, he should just be keeping time and accenting things more like a backup singer. Yeah, so I've always thought the drums are the glue of any song, any band. Yes. I, I've always thought that. And I'm I'm a percussion type person. I play the piano as if it's a percussion instrument. Yeah, you do. And so uh, the percussion is very important to me. And that's why I think drummers are so important to music in general and bands specifically. Uh, when you listen to the Beatles, people used to just chastise Ringo Starr. Right. I, when you listen back on these songs, he's a very good drummer. He well, it's funny that you mentioned that because I'm watching the Get Back documentary again yeah. uh, right 18th now. 18th time? Uh, no, just a second time okay, through. Okay. I mean, it's nine hours long, yeah. nearly. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that I have come to realize is a that Ringo Starr is a fantastic drummer. I know. However, one um, I was the same um, conversation I was listening to where they were talking about these drummers said one of the most famous drum, jazz drummers in the world currently right now. Uh, when he records, all he wants to hear is the first 10 seconds and the last 10 seconds of the song. Isn't that funny? To make sure that he's in time and he didn't change time. Right. But if you listen to Beatles songs that way, it changes. There are songs where it's like slowing down like crazy and you're like, what's going on? Am I imagining this? Do you have an example of a Beatles tune? Um, I can, yes. I'm, I gotta remember which one, it's, what it's called though. Um, it's, you, it's my aim to uh, get you to have to edit as much as possible. Well, I'm not going to play it for you. I'm just going to tell people about it. You have nothing going on in life. so. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say a little bit about this song. He said, uh, W.C. Handy said when he, he had been inspired by a chance meeting with a woman on the streets of St. Louis, distraught over her husband's absence, who lamented, uh, lam- lamented there we go, uh, my man's got a heart like a rock cast into sea. A key line of the song. Hmm. Hmm. So uh, that was, it was, of course, a massive uh, success. The original published sheet music is available online as well. And it's just, um, anyway, kind of fun. So that's, uh, and I will tell you, it's Peter Sincani. Sincodi. Easy for me to say. Peter Sincodi. Peter Sincodi. <laughs> yes. The album is On the Moon came out in 2004. It's actually the first song on the album, which I believe actually is a, a really strong indicator of um, what a, a, a producer will, because you want the first song to drive, don't you? Yeah, you, I would think so, yeah. You, you kind of want it to set the tone of the album. Although um, there's a brand new album that just came out uh, from a gentleman by the name of Marcus Mumford. Okay. Of Mumford and Sons. Of Mumford and Sons. Okay. Um, the reason it's a solo album, and the reason he did this solo album was he started writing music about his experience being um, um, sexually abused as a child. Ah. And the first song is called "Cannibal." Oh. 
and it is difficult to listen to. It is a spectacular song, but it is difficult to listen to, especially when you know the context. Yeah. Um, and so the band, when he played it for their band, they were like, hey, you should do a solo album. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. And so he did. But the crazy part Isn't about that it is- that fun the band says that, though? Yes. Yeah, I think that's very cool. So the weird part, though, is it's the first song on the album. It's the song that sets the tone for everything. And it is not a banger. It's not one of those songs you listen to and go, that's a great song. Right. It, it just- it literally just reaches in and smacks you in the face with the reality of what this album is going to be about from yeah. the very get-go. And it is rough. I, it's so good, but it is rough to listen to. Yeah, I really like it that that uh, album, uh, an album does that. So what do you got for us? Uh, I can't remember off the top okay. of my head. <laughs> and well, the internet wasn't very helpful either. So, There's a number of them if you listen to them, especially when you get into the later years, uh, when they start doing a lot of heavy studio recordings. Uh, the the White Album era, the Abbey Road era. There are songs that start out and it feels like, is this song slowing down? Interesting. And, and it's not on purpose, it just does. Because a lot of what they were doing too, by the way, especially at the end of their career was, uh, they would just sit down, uh, get back. You know the famous get back song? Right. That's all live. Isn't There's that, no overdubs in that. That's fan. You know, that's got the Billy Preston yeah. uh, solo in it as well. Yeah. Such, so great. So since we're talking about this, what is your favorite Beatles album? I know it's a hard question. Hmm. It's changed over time. Yeah. It used to be Sgt. Pepper. Okay. Uh, but Rubber Soul, mm. it, and it really hits home for me. But the the twenty the night the two thousand twenty one remix of Let It Be mm. is up there, but only because I've been watching the documentary and right. seeing how those songs were crafted and, and where they and came from. And it brings from. a different perspective. It does. Yeah, it kind it of um, bring, it rekindles those songs. But I don't bit. think there's a bad song on, I mean, outside of Revolution Number no. 9, I don't think there's a bad song on the White Album either. So, And the White Album is what I was going to go to because I've been debating uh, playing a song that covers a song off the White Album. Mm. And, uh, and so listening to some of those songs, I'm like, there's like 20 songs on this album. Yeah. And... All of them are fantastic. <laughs> when I was a teenager, I first uh, bought, I found this re this uh, antique store in Bellingham, Washington that sold, had a record section. Western and this Washington is, University. Yes. And this was the year when, uh, the years, I should say, when everyone was throwing away their vinyl and going into CD for everything. And so I would buy up all these old Beatles albums because I worked at a radio station. Right. I would buy up these old Beatles albums and convert them to cassette while I was like, I'd be in one studio on air at night and then I would go in the other room and hit record on a cassette and put the record on and, and I would record these things cassette. Yeah. So uh, I bought the Beatles white album knowing nothing about it because uh, I didn't know much about the Beatles at the time. And I'm sitting there listening to it and I was, I was in my car. It's, it is a double album. It's a yeah. really long album. Yeah. And so I was in my car. My wife had gone in somewhere to a grocery store or something. I had something I didn't want to go in. I wanted to just finish this album out. And I fell asleep in the car listening to the white album and wow. i woke up to number nine number nine number nine and i, I felt like i was going insane for a fraction of a second because i and knew thought, what was happening dang it i what, how did i not know that album skipped that's true <laughs> a little bit about peter sincotti um while in high school he regularly performed in clubs throughout manhattan mm. in 2003 he had his debut album this is from 2004 so okay. not the debut Produced by Phil Ramone. Wow. Yeah. Um, that kind of struck a chord with me as well. Phil Ramone, a uh, big producer for a lot of Billy Joel's music. Not of the Ramones. Not of the Ramones. Uh, not that I know of. Uh, uh, reached number one on Billboard Jazz Chart, that debut album. Really? Man making Sincati the youngest musician to do so. 
Really? Yeah. So obviously on the jazz charts, right? Not the yeah. youngest musician of all time. No, no, no. Charts. On the jazz okay. charts, which is still, I mean, almost probably even more uh, amazing. Yeah. In a sense, jazz is a really difficult genre of music to play well. Mm. Um, he performed at Carnegie Hall, Lincoln Center, Radio City Music Hall, uh, Montreux Jazz Festival. Wow. You know, all sorts of places. But his voice is a lot like Michael Buble. Yeah. He does something which Buble does not because he sits down at the piano and he knocks out these riffs mm. and he's very good. Mm. Very good. I like this guy a lot. And this song, whenever it comes up in whenever I'm listening, we're making music, uh, a dinner, things like that. I'm like, I got to get this on now. And today's the day. Awesome. It's today. I liked it a lot. There was a, the I really liked all the guitar solos, the drums, the the bass line was about, really oh, good. Bass line. How bass about line the horns fantastic. though? The horns were good. All because of you're not good. a jazz, uh, you're not a sax fan per se, but these sax licks were really, they were really good. good. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Yeah, it's a good song. One of the greatest songs I've never heard. Oh, that's fantastic. I, I can say yes. <laughs> <laughs> One week in a row. <laughs> There's always next week, Phil. There's always next week. Oh, that's my week. Exactly. And if you want to listen to that uh, next week, you'll have to tune in a week from later uh, now. But you can always talk to us on Twitter at G-S-Y-N-H podcast or on Facebook. The greatest song you never heard or do what Brian Page does. Just go straight to our website. Yep. The greatest song you never heard dot com. With that, we'll see you next week. On the greatest song you never heard podcast. <laughs> you can look at me. <laughs> I was waiting to see where this was going. I'm I was like, like, should I be saying something? I here? think you're running the show. Oh, you're my... driving. With that, <laughs> Phil Anderson, we will see, hear, or feel you next Ooh. week on the greatest song. Slap an explicit on this. You've never heard podcast. 